That's all I can remember, ma'am. But if I think of any more, I will let you know. Oh, and Senator, just one more thing. Love your suit. Hello. Oh, good. Oh, good. Hello, everybody. Hello! And welcome to this week's episode of Top Shelf. Yay. Are you sure you're recording? It's not moving. I'm recording. It's going. But it's not going. Well, it's just because I'm zoomed out. Oh, Look, we'll I'll zoom, zoom back in. in so that way you can see Oh, okay. It. There you go. I feel better. I like to watch the levels <laughs> to make sure that we're both speaking in an appropriate volume. And the movie this week! <laughs> Silence of the Lambs from 1991. Yes. It is number 74 on our list. This is episode 27. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. I'm awesome. We I are, know we numbers. Are, we are learning to catch that. <laughs> And now you're dancing. I am dancing. This is a great visual uh, uh, yep. piece for an yep. audio podcast. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, Silence of the Lambs. Um, right off the bat. I love this movie. That's number one. Number I have one. always loved this movie. <laughs> I enjoy that we for had a that long as a time. Game. Yep. Long time. I've loved this movie. I've liked it. The first time I saw it, it was weird because I wasn't into this types of movie. I didn't get why it was scary when yeah. I was younger because it's not scary in like the traditional horror movie sense of being scary no I guess it's still it's still considered to be a horror film to a degree it's more of a thriller suspense thriller yeah. I think nowadays would be what it's considered yes like a violent thriller or just a suspense thriller yeah suspense good. thriller um but it's definitely it's I can see why it's classified horror I can see that in in the, the way that the movie plays out. We were discussing that off off mic about like why it would be scary is because it's real. That's what makes it scary. Is that it's not it's not just it's not a it's not a killer who's just running around I'm unstoppable. Scary faces at Jeff yes, you while we are. Talk and about this. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it's not it's not a it's not a traditional horror movie. It, but it still is scary because it's something that's very real and it is about a person who kills people. So it's yeah. still classified. And horror. he. Eats them. He eats he them. He eats them. He eats all the potatoes. Peter Sell. <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> Anyways, so I like the movie as well. So there you go. There's no, our... you said you. I love this movie. You love the movie. I love this movie. I really like the movie. Okay. I don't love the movie. Do I you like really... it as a friend? I like it as a good close friend. Okay. But we're not in love. We're not dating. Okay. I can get behind that. So that's our opinions. Yeah. And summary. What's the IMDb summary? Don't forget that. Oh, son of a beast. And you forgot. I did forget. <laughs> uh, See, this is the part of the podcast where I keep us on, on, ta- on, on like, I can't well, remember words. Well, sometimes we don't do it in this order. I know. I'm trying to keep us to, I'm trying to keep us going and then I forget. <laughs> oh, Yes. I'm, IMDb classifies it as a crime drama thriller. Okay. Which, in today's standards, it is more of a thriller. It is more of a film that would fit along those lines than necessarily a horror movie. He is still considered, though, I think, one of, like, like a classic horror villain because he's so freaking creepy. Right. I think that's the thing. I think that's Lecter's whole appeal is that he is just creepy. So, would you stop? Dancing to Goodbye Horses. The episode is going to end on it, okay? <laughs> okay. That's enough, is it not? <laughs> you okay. can dance later. So, IMDb summary. The IMDb summary. A young FBI cadet must confide in an incarcerated and manipulative killer to receive his help on catching another serial killer who skins his victim. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> A little creepy. Good, good, uh, good summary of it. Good summary of it. And it's a classic story about, like, the whole idea of, like, the cops have to go to somebody to help them, figure, you know, yep. find a case. It just happens to be another one. It's kind of almost like a precursor to Dexter, I almost feel. The whole idea of going to a killer to get help finding a they killer. They don't know Dexter's a killer on Dexter. Oh, they don't? No. Oh, see, I don't know that. <laughs> I'm just going off of what I know from, like, a summary of it. Like, what everybody talks about it. So what is your summary? You said you were having you you couldn't decide. You were you were trying to debate. Oh, I think I went with and this is not the actual line in the movie because it's 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 it puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again and then it's put the lotion in the fucking basket. <laughs> so I like to combine them and say it gets it puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the fucking hose again. <laughs> 
That's your summary. That's for the my film. summary <laughs> of the okay. film. All right, all right, I'll take it. That and love your suit. I love your suit, which is the opening. If you, as you listen to this podcast, you already heard it. Yes, we were debating about what line the opening because we weren't going to do fava beans and Chianti no. because that's cliche. And I didn't want to. We do... try not to be cliche. Yeah, and I didn't want to do the the it puts a lot puts a lot because those are the two things everybody quotes. So mm-hmm. it's I always try to find out in the heat of the night last week it was that line because they're. Which apparently people didn't like. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. We watch them as they come. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. But this one, (laughs) this one, if we did, it'd be a completely different podcast. (laughs) Yep. um, This would be on it still. Yes, it would be. I would still pick this one. Me too. Um, But no, I. So we try to pick the lines that are just either make us laugh or are just kind of oddball, just Mm -hmm. random, random ass lines from the movie. So, so. All right. Well, hey, uh, that was your summary. Yep. So let me move on to the awards and technology. No technology. Can you on the website just put it puts the lotion on the skin or it gets the hose again? Yes. Okay. Don't put the F word. Don't want the F word. Please don't put the F word. (laughs) I'm fine with me saying it on the podcast. I just don't like it written on the page with my name next to it. Weird. I'm going to be a teacher someday. Yeah. Uh, I personally. My students will not be allowed to listen to this. Personally, I think it'd be cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I didn't know my teacher does stuff like that. Even if I was six or however young. You. So the award section. This film was uh, has got 78. Um, I didn't do my Metascore. Oh, you did so. not do your Metascore. This is what I mean. Well, it's not my fault. You paused. Remember the whole pause thing? No, you thing? St- said we were going to do... You asked me for my, tr- you know, the IMDb summary and then my summary, and then you went right into awards. Well, it's because you didn't go back to it. No, we were... T- Keep pushing uh, for your sections. Metascore. Metascore. It's an 8.7 out of 10 on IMDb and an 84 Metascore. This is a good Metascore. Yes, it is. I mean, obviously, I think the film's usually well-received. I don't see yes. many, many like, negative reviews about it unless you're just absolutely a f- not a right. fan of these types of movies. I know Roger Deeper gave it a four-star rating. He thoroughly enjoyed the movie, so that's definitely cool. Now, is there anything else that you have? No, that is it. You okay. may continue. Now I will continue with my awards. I apologize for cutting you off. It's okay. All right. Just we forget things sometimes. We do forget things, and we and try we to be like better. It. I don't like it when we forget stuff. So. Ugh. So, all right. The awards. This film has 78 major award nominations, seven Oscar nominations total. Now, the nomination, the, the, the categories that it was nominated for but did not win was Best Film Editing and Best Sound. It okay. won. It won five Academy Awards. It won five Oscars. It won five Oscars. Out of the seven it was nominated for. It won Best Actor in a Leading Role for Anthony Hopkins, Best Actress in a Leading Role for Jodie Foster, Best Picture, Best Writing, Screenplay, and Best Director. So again, kind of like we talked about, was that In the Heat of the Night? Uh, or at least Forrest Gump. It won all the major awards for what you would consider for the Oscars. It won the Best Actor and Actress in a Leading Role. Nice. And Best Director and Best Writing and Best Picture. So obviously this film did really, really well. Now, one thing I actually found, a piece of trivia that I did not know about this movie, Mm -hmm. uh, but I randomly found, and I remember making a comment. I think I even commented on it on the podcast, for that matter, uh, during the time that I found it. Um, The movie itself, uh, I found this random piece of trivia, and I was saving it specifically for when we got to it. Right. The film was released on, which, do you say when it was released? Um, Do you mention that in trivia? I no, maybe not the exact date. I talk about the year and then it get, it getting moved around. Okay, but not the date. It was released on Valentine's Day, nineteen ninety one, February fourteenth. Whoa, which is just really messed up. The reason why I bring this up and why it's in the awards section and not the trivia is that the film was released in February fourteenth, nineteen ninety one. It was at that time. I think it was about a week or so. Or no, no, no. It was it, it it missed the cutoff for the Oscars. In 91. Because the Oscars are generally when? Like March? March or, it's March, March or April. Yeah. March is one of those times. So it missed the cutoff for when the film could be accepted into the Academy Awards for that year. Or it was before, it was like right after, it was one of those two. It was, it was, I have a trivia fact about it. Okay. About why they moved, why they they moved the release it? date, blah, 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 blah. Well, it holds, it holds the record along with a handful of other films, which I, I do not remember at this point, of having the longest... Gap of time yes. between being I released. I think my, my trivia fact. Do you talk about that? Talks about it a little bit, but not like in the same way yours does. Okay, but it's it holds that honor of being the longest from being released to winning Best Picture. Normally, especially nowadays, a Best Picture film, 
you'll notice this every year. This is why so many movies come out in December, like like the really heartfelt dramas come out in December and November. Those are, that's the time period that movies get released, so mm-hmm. they can be in the conscious of everybody. Well, we're to going be nominated. into that season right now. Tor- right. Toronto International Film Festival is wrapping up as yep. we speak. Yep. Twelve Years a Slave is coming out. Mm-hmm. The Butler's out. The Fifth Estate's coming out. You're hitting that time of the year because at Bang after the cover is in two of those movies. <laughs> just saying. Because after December, that's when they start looking for the movies and they start you know piecemealing them together and figure out which ones are going to be nominated so it's kind of this the whole hey look we have a really good movie and this is the last thing you saw so of course we're going to get nominated so that's when everybody throws it out the fact that this one was in february of 91 and then it won best picture in the oscars of the following year is actually really cool that basically means that no good movies came out apparently in 1991 or at least none that people like that stuck out in their mind as much as Silence of the Lambs did. So, uh, the film was entered into the National Film Registry in 2011. Yep. So, it will be kept preserved and is the only horror movie to win Best Picture in the history of the Oscars. Because normally, you don't get horror movies that are nominated for Oscars in any sense of the word. Which, that right there kind of comes back to the concept that it may not it's not necessarily a horror and is more of a cop drama thriller. Right. But... It is still got horrific elements, and at the time it was released, it was considered to be a horror. So that is all I have uh, for awards and technology. As I said, there wasn't really any technology in the film. It was there was there was a lot of good makeup and a lot of like body suits for the the, the bodies uh, of the victims, and obviously, you know, one certain sequence within the last third of the film <laughs> that uh, heavily relied on makeup to continue the plot out but besides that it's it's jeff Jeff wants to yell at me for dancing yes i do and as i'm trying to talk i don't distract you (laughs) so you don't dance i don't try to distract you while you're talking (laughs) so yes that is all that i got so moving on to your trivia i have like six pages of trivia kids who's excited trivia some of them are really long that's why <laughs> and okay. Go. So I'm gonna butcher last names. Yeah. I think the director's last name is Demi. D E M M E. I think that's Demi. Awesome, right. Dem me. Demi. We'll go with that. Okay. I'll look it up. If you're wrong, okay. I'll tell you. But I think it's Demi. So Dino De Laurentiis, who had produced. Ma- oh, we need to talk about Manhunter. Oh yes, we do. Okay. Before we do my trivia, we have to talk. You have to explain to them what Manhunter is. Okay, so Silence because of, it talks about. I talk about it a bunch. Silence of the Lambs is not the first film made about Hannibal Lecter. It's the one everybody knows, but it's not the first film. In 1986, they made a movie called Manhunter. Michael Mann, M-A-N-N, uh, the guy who did uh, Miami Vice and Heat and Collateral and Collateral and like all those like he's the guy who came up with the television show Miami Vice back in the 80s and then directed his own version of it later on obviously but that guy um, he directed this film because uh, uh, I'm spacing on the author's name I apologize Uh, it's uh, uh, Thomas Harris I was gonna say Thomas Harris yes Thomas Harris wrote the book uh I believe it is called Manhunter was the original one. But there was that movie. They made that in the 80s, in 86. It was much more low budget, much more along the lines of what Michael Mann does. He does like this whole like handheld, grittier looking films, trying to make it more realistic. Right. And that told the story about uh, uh, an FBI agent who came out of retirement to help catch an the tooth An FBI fairy. specialist tracks a serial killer who appears to, to select his victims at random. Yes. William Peterson yep. from CSI is in it. Brian Cox actually plays yep. Hannibal Lecter. Uh, Dennis Farina, who just passed away, yep. is in this movie. Yep, yep. Now, if the story sounds kind of familiar, obviously it, it fall and it takes place before the events of Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Thomas Harris wrote that book first, and then they made the movie. Then he wrote, a handful of years later, he wrote a sequel to his own book called The Silence of the Lambs. And then at that point, they decided... Let's make this movie again. Now, I know you have trivia about them making it. So the events before, well, or, or like kind, a little yeah, bit, a kind little of a little bit. bit about like the start of it. Yeah. But Manhunter was this original movie. You can still find it. And it's the only one that deals with, that, that is Hannibal Lecter's not played by uh, Anthony Hopkins, at least in the main movies. Now, I know Hannibal Rising and the new television show has somebody else portraying Hannibal. But in the major film releases, it was it was the first one that did not have him in it. Oh, interesting. Now, Manhunter was remade in 2002, or 2003, I think it was 2002, as Red Dragon. 
with uh, Edward Norton, and then Anthony Hopkins played a younger version of himself because the events took place leading up to the start of Silence of the Lambs. So, but yeah, there was a whole other movie out there. If you've never seen it, if you've seen if you've seen any of these other films in the franchise, you might have seen Red Dragon. If you've seen Red Dragon, then you pretty much have seen Manhunter since it's the same plot. They wanted to redo that story, bigger budget and better, and because it came off of uh, Hannibal. Hannibal was released in two thousand one, and then they did Red Dragon the next year. So, I personally, if you like Silence of the Lambs, I think you'll also like Red Dragon because it follows the same type of a story. Hannibal got too bloody and gruesome. Yeah, we watched some of Hannibal at Colin's birthday a couple years ago, and we had to shut it. And it was on TV, and we had to shut it off. Yeah, Hannibal try Hannibal was around that time because I mean, again, Thomas Harris wrote a sequel to Silence of the Lambs called Hannibal, and that's when they made the movie. So, it's along the same lines of. Um, it it was that period of time when, hey, it's just let's be gross and gruesome and, you know, we're going to see Hannibal mm-hmm. actually do what he really did, which I felt like ruined the character. But, you know, whatever. It's his character. He can do whatever he wants. So, but if you want to watch another movie like Silence of the Lambs, if you enjoy Silence of the Lambs, watch yeah. Manhunter slash Red Dragon. If you want to see a more modern version, watch Red Dragon because that's better. So. Okay. So, so now that's that Manhunter. That. Okay. Sorry, that's a little backstory. Man. That's you, important. Is it important? Okay. It's important I because it, I reference it like three or four times. Okay, so as I was saying, Dino De Laurentiis, who produced Manhunter in 1986, passed on Silence of the Lambs because Manhunter had flopped. Yes. Oh, and that was the other thing. It was a it was a massive. He flop. He gave the rights away for free <sighs> to Orion Pictures. Oh, oh, that's got to be one of those just like oh, what the hell did I do? And to Orion, Orion went bankrupt. Yep. <laughs> The tobacco horn worm moths used throughout the film were given celebrity treatment. They were flown first class to the set in a special carrier, had special living quarters which were roomed with controlled humidity and heat, and were dressed in carefully designed costumes, body shields bearing a painted skull and crossbones. Interesting. So the the moths that he, you know, has in his room in the basement were real. And they were treated nicely, apparently, which is good. So the PETA people can't be mad. Most of the film was shot in Pittsburgh, which was chosen for its large variety of landscapes and architecture. Some of the films... I did not yawn. (laughs) I had to swallow. I'm sorry. (laughs) Some of the film's interior scenes, including the Baltimore jail scene in the beginning and the ballroom scene of Lecter in his cage, were shot in Soldiers and Sailors Memorial located on Fifth Avenue in the Oakland area of Pittsburgh. The events in this film occur after the events in Manhunter, which was filmed in 1986. Mm-hmm. Although there are several characters common to both films, there are only two actors who appear in both movies. Both actors play different characters in both movies. Frankie Faison plays Lieutenant Fisk in Manhunter and Barney in Silence of the Lambs. And Dan Butler plays an FBI fingerprint expert in Manhunter and an entomologist in Silence of the Lambs. Interesting. I forgot about that. I, I, I truthfully forgot about that and, piece of trivia. And William Peterson, who's in CSI, who is the lead in Manhunter, plays mm-hmm. an entomologist on CSI. Or he's an entomologist on the side. Like Casablanca from 1942, mm-hmm. this movie contains a famous misquoted line. Most people quote Lecter's famous, Good evening, Clarice, says, Hello, Clarice. Oh, yeah. So it's just like uh, the whole uh, Luke, I am your father thing. That's a misquoted line. Is it? Yeah, it's not Luke. I mean, no, it's like he, so he says, no, I am your father. Oh, yeah. He doesn't actually say, but Luke. everybody misquotes it as Luke, yeah. I am your father. Well, in Casablanca, is, what is it, played again, Sam? Yeah. Yeah, that's not, he never actually says it. No. Um, this line did, however, appear in the sequel, Hannibal. In Hannibal, when Dr. Lecter and Clarice, now played by Julianne Moore, speak on the phone for the first time, he does, in fact, say, hello, Clarice. This was possibly put in by the writers of Hannibal as an inside joke in reference to misquoting the original movie. Um, this section of trivia on IMDb has had more typos in it than any other section I've encountered. So somebody needs to spell check IMDb. Or just proofread, because it says this was possible put in by the writers of Hannibal as an inside joke. (laughs) And Pittsburgh was spelled wrong earlier. I fixed it, though. Anthony Hopkins described his voice for Hannibal Lecter as a combination of Truman Capote and Catherine Hepburn. (laughs) Okay. Right? Yeah. The pattern on the butterfly's back in the movie posters is not the natural pattern of the death's death's head moth. 
It is, in fact, Salvador Dali's in Volupa... In, I'm, my Latin is bad. In Volupatas Moris, a picture of seven naked women made to look like a human skull. You can Google it. It's on the website. Oh, good. I, did, I, you, did you put the actual picture or did you put the sketch? No, I put the actual picture. Oh, okay. <laughs> the one it's that you not pointed safe out. for work. No, actually it's not. No. So Jeff might change it. <sighs> I don't want to have to find it again. <laughs> it's really hard. You Google Salvador Dali skull. Silence of the Lambs. Not even. You can Google. I Googled Salvador Dali skull. And it was the first thing that came up in that's images. It's a wee bit creepy. <laughs> All right. Buffalo Bill is the combination of three real life serial killers. As we discussed at the end of the previous episode. Ed Gein, who yep. skinned his victims. Yep, yep. Ted Bundy, who used the cast on his hand as bait to convince women to get into his van. And Gary Heidnick, who kept women he kidnapped in a pit in his basement. Gein was only positively linked to two murders and suspected of two others. He gathered most of his materials through grave robbing, not murder. Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you this, everybody, right now with the trivia. Whenever I read something about inspiration or what have you, take it with a grain of salt because this is IMDb. I'm pretty sure this is all user input information. It's the internet. It's it the internet. Everything, be wrong. Can, everything is wrong. Yeah. Everything's wrong until it's proven factual. Because can you, while I'm reading this, mm-hmm. look up when Sounds of the Lambs was published, the book itself? So, yeah, I don't think, because I'm sorry, this is going to sound horrible. For me, like, I guess, what what constitutes a serial killer? Like, how many people do you have to kill as a ser- to be a serial killer as opposed to just a murderer? Is it more than one? I think, well... Is it two? If it's, in order to classify as a serial killer, you have to do it with a certain criteria, generally. Okay. You do it the same or similar ways... Because I think if you were just to start, if you just kill, if you just kill ten people randomly, yeah, didn't it wasn't the same each way. You would just be a mass murderer. Okay, but if it's a serial killer, you're killing the people. That makes sense. Like you're shooting them in the head every single I'm time. Because I'm intrigued by the fact that this trivia fact says Gein was only positively linked to two murders and suspected of two others, and yeah. that he gathered most of his materials through grave robbing, not murder. Right. Ah, uh, we're from Wisconsin. I've never heard the grave robbing thing. I've heard it. I, but it's not something that's usually stressed. Usually it's that he killed people. Yeah, and that, skinned them and, and skinned made lambs them and out made of them. Stuff. By the way, the answer to your question was that uh, Silence of the Lambs was published in 1988. Okay. He made the book He made the book in 1988. Manhunter was made in 81. Okay. So seven years later, he did the sequel to it, because I think he did that then okay. for Hannibal. Ten years later, he made Hannibal, or 12 years later, okay. he made Hannibal. That kind of comes into play. This is number That's two. two. <sighs> That kind of comes into play with a later, like, based on the true story, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I also need to look up when Ted Bundy was active. Please don't get into anything scary. You know, I'm so glad I'm doing this on my work laptop. (laughs) I'm reading the trivia, so I can't do it on my iPad. I got the most interesting searches. Just clear your search history. Okay. A Bon Appetit magazine can be seen in Hannibal Lecter's temporary cell. Yes, I remember seeing that. You want to know when he was active? Yeah. Well, he died in 89. Okay. I'll I'll keep looking to see when he actually was active. active. At least six directors have roles in this film. Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, Casey Lemons, Roger Corman, Dan Butler, who directed episodes of Frasier in 93, and a cameo by George A. Romero. I got it. I got it where he is. Don't worry. I was going to say, where the hell was Romero? Um, almost all the scenes in Hannibal's original cell have either a reflection of Hannibal or Clarice, depending on the camera's point of view. They're really subtle. In fact, I wrote that down that trivia fact as that scene was happening, mm-hmm. so I was looking for it. It's really subtle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cameo. George A. Romero. The bearded man who accompanies Chilton and the two guards who forcefully remove Clarice Starling after her final meeting with Lecter. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Go back. No I want to it. go back and look at it now. Yep. Okay. This is when I'm going to start butchering the name of the director. Way to go. <laughs> when Jonathan Demme 
filmed the scene where Lecter and Starling first meet, Anthony Hopkins said he should look directly at the camera as it panned into his line of sight. He felt Lecter should be portrayed as knowing everything. Mm. And we were talking about the fact that that is one of the things that makes this movie scare so scary is Anthony Hopkins stares at the camera all the time. And not like just past the camera. No, no he's into the, into the lens. So you and are he Clarice. doesn't blink. No. I have a fact about that. I'm not quite there yet, but hold uh, on. I need to get a drink of water. You're going to drink. Ted Bundy. Uh, most of his victims were between 1974 and 1978. Okay. Uh, yeah, he had a lot of victims. Holy crap. That's what I mean. If Ed Gein only four, killed five, four six, people. Seven. He killed nine in 74. Yeah. How many did Dahmer kill? Oh, God. We just keep looking up that. Keep going. Okay. Um, Jonathan Demi cast Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter based on his performance of Dr. Frederick Trevis in The Elephant Man from 1980. Hopkins himself has said that he felt the sharing and caring role of Dr. Frederick Trevers was rather dull. He also went on to say that, you know, after he found out that that's why he got cast, he's like, but that character was a good man. And the director said, so is Hannibal Lecter. He's just trapped inside an insane mind. <laughs> After Lecter was moved from Baltimore, the plan was to dress... See, here's another typo. The plan was to be... Dress him. <laughs> or the plan was to be dress him in in a yellow or orange jumpsuit. I guess that kind of can make sense. Okay. Anthony Hopkins convinced Jonathan Demi and costume designer Colleen Atwood that the character would seem more clinical and unsettling if he was dressed in pure white. That's true. Hopkins has since said he got the idea from his fear of dentists. It's a good fear to have. Brooke Smith, who plays Catherine Martin, who's mm-hmm. the girl who gets kidnapped, gained 25 pounds for her role. For those of you who watch Grey's Anatomy, she's on Grey's Anatomy. She's the blonde doctor. She shows up in, like, season three, I think. Because I know who she is, and I quit watching Grey's Anatomy after, like, season four. Okay. Because it... They kill Seth Green in an episode, and I just didn't want to watch it anymore. <laughs> and that's when I quit. Anthony Hopkins invented the fast, slurping-type sound that Hannibal Lecter does. He did it spontaneously during filming on the set, and everyone thought it was great. The director became annoyed with it after a while, but denies his irritation. <laughs> the filmmakers were prepared to go to Montana to shoot a flashback sequence depicting Clarice's runaway attempt. After filming the dialogue between Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins, however, the director realized it would be pointless to cut away from their performances and announced, well, I guess we aren't going to Montana. <laughs> I, that's a good point, because truthfully, I think that would have ruined the flow of that moment. I mean, they had a couple moments in it that were little flashbacks. Yeah. But I... I actually personally, and this is getting into our discussion a little bit, feel like that takes away from the movie a little bit. If they do with the flashbacks? Yeah. They, I they know they're really short, but I almost feel like... Because then they never happen again. They yes. happen in the first half hour of the movie, and then never again. And then never again. I think they should have just left it her describing things to Dr. Lecter. Yeah. Because that one flashback... That is really my only criticism of this whole movie. Because that one flashback with her coming out and seeing her dad as a cop, not even necessary whatsoever. Like, there's nothing that... It never comes into play that no. her dad's a cop. No. I mean, it deal, they they talk about the fact that he was shot and right. killed, but you could have gotten that exact same information from, from their conversation. Yeah, exactly. Which I'm pretty sure you already did. Okay. Not to be ripping apart the movie. The but movie's good. that's my good. only cri- criteria, my only criticism of the movie. Yeah. One more. Number three? Four. Four. Uh, four. You yawned and It is almost it. nine. Yes. I've had class. I've been at school. So I was at school at seven. It's been morning. a long day. It's been day. a long week, as always. <laughs> Jodie Foster, Jonathan Demi, and Scott Glenn, and a few other cast and crew members did a great deal of research at the FBI training facility in Quantico, Virginia. They studied under criminal profiling agents, learned about firearms and agent training, and sat in on a number of classes. The first moth cocoon found in one of the victim's throats was made from a combination of Tootsie Rolls and gummy bears so that it would be edible if swallowed. I would have swallowed it, just because that it's sounds made good. made of Tootsie Rolls and gummy bears. <laughs> Oops, I swallowed it. Did you make another one? Okay. <laughs> I'm still hungry. The film was originally scheduled for release in fall of 1990. Number five. Orion Pictures <laughs> delayed its release until late January 91, or as Jeff said, 
February 14, 91, yep. so they could focus on promoting Dances with Wolves, which came out in 1990, for Oscar consideration. See? Right there. This film won all five major Academy Awards, a notable exception to the conventional wisdom that films released early in a calendar year are forgotten by Oscar time. See, okay, so even back then, they, they were it was well aware that yep. that usually happens. So unless the movie is... is ridiculously good as this film is Mm -hmm. most of the times people do forget about those movies that's why they just throw them at the end of the year it's easier because again it's in people's conscious plus people are more depressed because it's dark earlier and they want to go see movies and make them feel bad about themselves which generally the oscar films do yes wow dances with wolves won a lot of oscars yeah it did and i don't believe it's on this list two three four five six one seven oscars nominated for eight nine ten eleven twelve Wow. And it's not on this list, to my knowledge. No, I don't remember seeing it on the list. And it's not like it hasn't been out long enough for it to be on the, not be right? on the list. <laughs> In preparation for his role, Anthony Hopkins studied files of serial killers. Also, Six. he visited prisons and studied convicted murderers and was present during some court hearings concerning serial killers. Oh, that's weird. Lecter said he ate a victim's liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Liver, fava beans, and wine all contain a substance called tyramine, which can kill a person who is taking a certain class of antidepressants known known as MAO inhibitors, or also MAOIs, because you hear that on, like, the commercials. Yeah. So MAO inhibitors were the first antidepressants developed and were used primarily on patients in mental in- institutions. Lecter worked in and was committed to a mental institution. Hmm. They did their research. Yep. Well, or, well, Tom Harris, Tom Harris did Tom his Harris research. Did, yeah. When Ted Talley, who co-wrote the script with Thomas Harris, yes. Tom, Tom Harris, her, Thomas Harris, Thomas, Thomas Harris, uh, was writing the screenplay for the film, he suggested Jodie Foster for the role of Clarice Starling. Foster had been lobbying hard for the part when he, or when Jonathan Demme was hired to direct. He wanted Michelle Pfeiffer instead. Pfeiffer turned down the part because she felt the film was too violent. Demme then agreed to meet Foster. He hired her after only one meeting because he said he could see her strength and determination for the part, and he felt that she was perfect for Clarice. After we're done with this, we need to talk about Ted Taylor. Ted Talley? Talley, yes. Why? Just quickly, a little okay. bit. Okay. Originally, the film was to open with Clarice Starling and a male FBI agent in the middle of a drug bust. They were to burst into a room and make a number of arrests, and then the bust would be revealed to, as a training exercise, which is also what they do in Men in Black. Mm-hmm. Kind of, at one point. The little girl with the books. Yes. Yes. That's on Netflix now, by the way. <laughs> Jodie Foster was Why able to convince Jonathan Demme to change the scene because it had been done so many times before. Foster came up with the idea of opening with Starling running through the assault course. Jodie Foster spent a great deal of time with FBI agent Marianne Krauss prior to filming. Krauss gave Foster the idea of Starling standing by her car crying. Krauss told Foster that at times the work just became so overwhelming that it was a good way to get an emotional release. Hmm. All right, this is where I was iffy on things that, you know, are inspired by the real life blah de blah blah okay? This is why I had you look up dates. Which I have everything ready for you. The Silence of the Lambs was inspired by the real life relationship between University of Washington criminology professor and profiler... Robert Keppel, and serial killer Ted Bundy. Bundy helped Keppel investigate the Green River serial killings in Washington. Bundy was executed January 24, 1989. The Green River killings were finally solved in 2001 when Gary Ridgway was arrested. On November 5, 2003, in a Seattle courtroom, Ridgway pleaded guilty to 48 counts of aggravated first-degree murder. Okay, so to expand upon what you were saying. Yep. October of 84, Bundy, who by then considered himself an expert on serial killers, contacted Robert Keppel and offered to share his self-proclaimed expertise on the ongoing hunt for his successor in Washington, the Green River Killer. So Bundy apparently contacted okay. the FBI agent. You said FBI agent, right? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. No, criminology criminology professor. professor uh, to offer his But it says and profiler, but there's nothing about the FBI. Per se. In that trivia fact. So that's interesting. So yeah, so it it was it was Bundy who because at that point Bundy had already been arrested. 
Right. But in the movie, it's not Lecter that reaches out to them, is it? No, but I think I think the concept that they're I think what they're talking about is the fact that it was a convicted serial killer or a convicted murderer who yeah. who was helping the police in some aspect. I mean, granted, yeah, it was they went to Lecter in the movie because he knew it or he would be the right person to help him. But right. the other way, you know, it it's it was inspired by I guess that event or that concept. But just not as a not as crazy because it would have been weird. I think if Lecter contacted them, going, I have information to help you with this I case. I know who did it. Yeah, I know who did it. It would not make Lecter scary if he did it like no. that. At least I know who did, did it. it. I, I know, know who, who did, did it. it. Despite being recently declared bankrupt, Orion still managed to raise two hundred thousand dollars for the film's Oscar campaign. How much was two hundred thousand dollars in nineteen ninety one? Well, see, you didn't give me enough time for that. No, I was going to ask you. Oh, okay. Just now. I thought I thought you. Were... No, that wasn't an accusatory thing. That was just a, I want to know. <laughs> you said what? Two hundred thousand in nineteen ninety one. Nineteen ninety one. Two hundred thousand today is the equivalent of well, only three hundred forty three thousand. Okay. So I feel better. I was afraid you were going to tell me something like astronomical and that would just re-solidify the fact that I wanted to live in the nineties. <laughs> But again, you made I the... I did, co- <laughs> but in the live in the 90s, but not at an age where money was a thing. And you know what? You just made a comment again as something that every single time I see a movie that's produced by Orion, I look at the screen, put my hands up and go, how the hell did you people but become says, bankrupt? despite being recently declared bankrupt in 91? Yes. That's how long ago they went up? Yeah, because oh. Orion was popular. Like, it was huge in the 80s. Yeah, Half I guess movies, that's true. Like, you, like, yeah. you, you, if you start looking for it, and a movie was made in the 80s, I bet you anything Orion was behind it. And it's some of the big name movies too in the 80s Orion did. So it's it's so weird that they went bankrupt. But MGM bought all of Orion and now Warner Brothers owns MGM because MGM went bankrupt. So it's wah, wah. it just happens. It trickles down. Don't they also down. own New Line? Yes, they also now own New Line too because New Line's another film company in that the went- 80s that went bankrupt for some new no, line new line went bankrupt in the 2000s no no I, but like they were popular in the 80s and the 90s but they again, made the lord, lord of the, the rings, rings movies and they, they owned, went bankrupt they owned they owned lord of the rings they also owned friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street okay but here's the thing friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street which we were talking about off mic and right. the ridiculous franchises and then lord of the rings true but look at the franchise itself and look how much money those franchises <laughs> That's true. earned yes it wasn't three films but look how much they probably earned over their 15 years of yeah. existence or almost 20 for some of them. That's true. Nine? <laughs> I'm losing track. It is after nine o'clock. <laughs> after being cast, and I still have like two pages of trivia left. After being cast as Buffalo Bill, Ted Levine dropped, or dropped, developed his character by reading profiles of serial killers. Levine later said he found the material to be very disturbing. And also, since Bill was a cross-dresser, he went to a few transvestite bars and interviewed some patrons. That's weird. As of this year, 2013, Mm -hmm. one of the three films to win the top five Oscars, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, Best Picture, and Best Screenplay Adapted. This is one, sorry, one of three films to win the top five. Gotcha. The others are It Happened One Night from 1934, which I believe is on this list. I think so. And One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest from 1975, which is also on this list. The movie's poster was number 16 of the best movie posters ever by Premiere. Again, this sentence actually says, the movie's poster was as 16 of 25 best movie posters ever by Premiere. <laughs> Clarice Starling was chosen by the American Film Institution, not Institute, Institution apparently, as the sixth greatest film hero out of 50, the highest ranked female on the list. Hannibal Lecter was chosen as the number one greatest film villain, also out of 50. Mm-hmm. Because, why is he the, probably the greatest? Because he could actually be a real person. Egg exactly. And yes, I know I said egg. That was the egg point. Egg-zactly. It's the egg-zactly. thing that what makes stuff really, truly scary is when it's real or could be real. Mm-hmm. I could totally believe somebody like Hannibal Lecter would be a real yeah. person. Obviously, we live in Wisconsin. Again, just home like, of the serial killers. Just like the movie Hostel, which is one of my favorite horror movies, mm-hmm. could be a real thing. Yeah, it could easily be a real thing. Uh, and that's what makes it scary. And that's why I went to In it. addition to the, you know, gore and Oh, yeah. Well, that's just a subplot. Yeah. <laughs> Jodie Foster claims that during the first meeting between Lecter and Starling, Anthony Hopkins mocking her southern accent was improvised on the spot. Foster's horrified reaction was genuine as she felt personally attacked. She later thanked Hopkins for generating such an honest reaction. 
See, and that's cool too because then it's a real reaction. So she's not just acting; she's right. Li- she's physically upset at him for that. You know, that's cool. That's cool. It's cool um, now. Obviously, then at the moment it wasn't, but. Entertainment Weekly voted this as the fourth scariest film of all time. Because it's real. The real-life FBI's Behavioral Science Unit uh, assisted in the making of this film. I don't think it's called a Behavioral Science Unit. I think it's the BAU, not the BSU. At least that's what it is on Criminal Minds. They could have changed it for Criminal Minds? No, because Criminal Minds is pretty is factual. It? Yeah. Like, I a don't lot watch of procedurals. Nothing well, there's anything wrong criminal with it. Minds but. Is, I don't either. I really like her. Well, and I watched CSI a lot when I was younger, but I like Criminal Minds a lot. I don't watch procedurals, but I watch television shows that basically are procedurals. Yeah, there you go. John, Hurt, shows. Anyways, John Hurt, Christopher Lloyd, Dustin Hoffman, oh, I know this Patrick is Stewart, Lou Gossett Jr., Robert Duvall, Jack Nicholson, and Robert De Niro were all considered for the role of Hannibal Lecter. Okay. Jeremy Irons turned down the role. He just played Klaus von Bülow in Reversal of Fortune from 1990 and didn't want to play another dark character. Okay. Robert De Niro? Hmm, I don't know. Jack Nicholson? Yes, I could see him playing... I could, I could see him playing the part. It's not going to be the same as Anthony no. Hopkins, but I could see it. I Christopher see Lloyd? Sh- I can see John Hurt. I can see really, John Hurt Of all it. those people, John Hurt's the one I see. Eh, maybe Robert Duvall. I could see Robert Duvall, because I think Robert Duvall would try to play it as a more elegant... But Patrick Stewart? No. Playing a playing an in evil killer? Not when he was still on Star Trek. No! No, that's weird. That's really Make weird. Make it so! Uh, after Jodie Foster first read the Thomas Harris novel, she tried to buy the rights herself, only to find out that Gene Hackman had beaten her to it. Curse you, Gene Hackman! As of 2013, the only horror film to win an Oscar for Best Picture. Mm. The only two others that have been nominated for horror films are The Exorcist, which I will get behind as a horror film, and Jaws. Again, Jaws at the time was considered to be a horror movie. I love Jaws. It's not nowadays. Nowadays it's just a suspense. I don't even know if you'd call it suspense. Well, I know it's a suspense because you don't see a freaking shark for most of the movie. They had issues with the shark. I know they had issues, but again, that movie, I like love, that. What you don't see is makes way it scarier. Which which falls in line with this movie. Uh-huh. There's a lot there's a handful of moments you don't see stuff in this, but that's what makes it scarier because right? you're imagining stuff. Okay, I'm coming on the end, everybody. Yay! Yay. Then we have a crap I have a ton of tabs open on the window here oh, that good. we need to talk about stuff. According to the Jonathan Demi, there were three hundred applicants for the role of Clarice Starling. Nicole Kidman and Halle Berry auditioned for the role and Andy McDowell was also considered. Meg Ryan, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Melanie Griffith turned down the role because of the disturbing subject matter. Buffalo Bill's dance was not included in the original draft of the screenplay, although it appears in the novel. It was added at the insistence of Ted Levine, who thought the scene was essential in defining the character. Also, everyone will remember him forever for that. Yep. Brooke Smith entered in and out of the pit by crouching through a small door that was half her size. It was then covered with dirt to keep it out of sight of the camera. Interesting. Ed Harris turned down the role of Jack Crawford because he didn't find the role interesting and would have rather played Hannibal Lecter. Oh, okay. Ed Harris would have been a good Hannibal Lecter. He would have been. Because I, I can see him playing mm-hmm. a bad guy. Because he's played bad guys. And yeah. he plays it really, he plays him well. So, mm-hmm. okay. And when Clarice tells Hannibal Lecter in his new facility... Visits Hannibal Lecter in his new facility. Lecter insists that she continue telling him about her childhood as part of the agreement. Jodie Foster reluctantly continues her story about running away. Midway through her confession, she mentions taking a lamb with her. If one listens closely after she says, I thought if I could save just one, a distant sound of something being dropped can be heard in the background. A crewman dropped a wrench during filming. Director Jonathan Demi, Demi panicked, thinking it would ruin the scene completely. However, Foster Remained in character, continued the story, ultimately convincing Demi to keep the footage. After a cut was yelled, Foster turned her head to the crew and yelled, What the hell was that? <sighs> and then, connections. Connections, yes, yes. We didn't have any for the last movie. Nope, nope. Connections. Wait, remind people what the connections are in case These you are them. Uh, trivia facts that are connected to movies that we have watched already mm-hmm. or that are on the list. Okay. Anthony Hopkins said he saw Lecter as similar to Hal in Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey from 1968. A highly complex, highly intelligent, highly logical killing machine who seems to know everything going on around him. Ooh. 
That's a good point. Because mm-hmm. he does seem to know everything that's happening with him. I'm staring at you. I'm done. I'm oh, staring done. at you like Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> okay. So let's... There's there's a handful of things that I want to talk about real quick here. Okay. Or just to talk about. Number one. Don't, Hall- do you need me to look at anything else on my no, 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 iPad? No, no, no. Okay. I have everything on my window okay. right now. Cool. Okay. Number one. Halle Berry was considered for Clarice. Apparently. She wasn't known yet. She was on a television show in 89. Uh, again. Like take it with a grain of salt. It's IMDb, true. and obviously, from as we evidence from this round of trivia from IMDb, people it can't is spell. User based, and people don't know how to write anything. <laughs> I mean, I guess I could see her. I guess I, I it it would have been like her first major yeah. role if she had got it. I just don't know if I don't know because I don't know what Halle Berry from the early '90s was like. I go, I know what she is like nowadays. Yeah. I could see her playing a character like that because she's done different types of movies, yeah. but. I don't know. That just that would have been that was that would have been an odd choice. It would have been. I agree. Number two, Orion Pictures. Let's briefly talk about Orion Pictures. Do you need to do things that you learned? I, well, we're gonna come back okay. to it. I just I I want to get those two things off the because okay. those were things mentioned during your trivia that I gotcha. I found more information. Orion Films as a continuation of what I had said previously. Right. Um. Okay. Movies that are known or well-known movies that are released by Orion from the 80s and the 90s um, released a lot of Woody Allen films. Okay. Okay. It released the original Terminator. Okay. They released the RoboCop franchise. Okay. Okay. Uh, Throw Mama from the Train. Okay. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Okay. Uh, they released the Weird Al film UHF. Yes. They released Love both UHF. Bill and Ted films. <laughs> Did you see the thing I posted on Tumblr of Doctor Who where it's the 10th and 11th Doctors and it's a spoof of the uh, Bill and Ted poster? No, I need to find that. Oh, it's so funny. (laughs) Continue. And four, four best picture films. Holy, well. Amadeus. (gasps) Dances with Wolves. Platoon. Oh. And this film. Whoa. That is why I am so freaking shocked that Orion went bankrupt. I don't know what the hell that company did. I, I'm, I almost, I gotta like, I want to look it up. Well, look it up and report back to us on the next. I episode. do because I really want to know what that company did that caused them to go bankrupt when they were doing releasing films like that. Interesting fact. Interesting fact. That I'm looking at the PDF of the list right now. Yes. This dropped nine spots from Science 60, of the Lambs? from sixty nine to sixty five to seventy four. Is there that many new films coming up, or is it a I lot don't of? Know. Oh, that's weird. I don't. Okay, we're gonna get to that too. Okay, let me do the things I learned real quick, and then we'll 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 finish talking about stuff. I just okay. those are two main things that came up while you were right. doing your trivia, and I just wanted to get them out there. So the things I learned from this film. There's four things I learned from this film. Number one, never help a random stranger trying to put a couch into the back of his van at night. I'm a man. I wouldn't do that. That's weird. That is weird. And it's kind of creepy. Number two, Lecter apparently has the ability to telepathically move pens. From a cot to his hand without ever actually reaching for it. Yep. I want to know how he did that. Me too. Number three. A massively well-known killer slash cannibal is in a caged jail. That means it's perfectly okay to guard him with only two police officers. Two. I know they had all the police officers down below. Mm-hmm. Four floors down. Yep. But why is there only two? Should there not be... One on each side of his cage, one at the door, one, one in the middle standing, of the One standing, like, hole. on top of him. Yes. Then two at the elevators outside, one in the stairs. Like, there should have been so many more. Those cops downstairs were just being wasted. Pretty much. And number four, old homes in Ohio were built with basements twice as large as the upstairs. Yep. Because in that end sequence, when, she, when Clarice is running around trying to find Buffalo Bill, mm-hmm. spoilers, I guess, um... It's that basement is freaking huge compared to that house. I mean, that house is decently sized, but that basement is gigantic because she keeps taking turns and corners in this long hallways right. and whatever. So those are the things that I've learned. Just four things this week, just because again, I was enthralled with the movie watching right. it again. I couldn't think of anything funny, but but yeah. Um. Okay. So the movie itself, we've said we've liked it. We you love the movie. Yes, I, I love this movie. I do really enjoy this movie. I. I've watched this film dozens of times and I still I still like watching it every single time. It's not a movie that I get bored with easily. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about like Red Dragon and all that stuff, uh, actually, it's funny because Ted Talley, segue. Okay, segue. The guy who wrote the screenplay 
That's the segue sound. That's the segue sound. sound. Um, Ted Talley is an interesting IMDb. Okay, so he wrote two films before this movie came out. He wrote Silence of the Lambs in 91. Okay. Uh, which he obviously won an Academy Award for. He also wrote Red Dragon okay. in 2002. That was the last thing he wrote was Red Dragon. So that's why is I he like... Dead? No, no, he's still alive. Okay. That's why I like Red Dragon because it's... That's why I feel like it's so close to Silence of the Lambs right. because it is written by the same guy. However, this is the thing that I wanted to talk about. On his IMDb page, he has three creative consultants or story consultants. Okay. The first one was for Shrek 2. The second okay. one is for Madagascar. Okay. And the third one is for Shrek the Third. Okay. He has creative consultant credits, not written by. He had nothing to do with the stories, right. but a creative consultant credits. It's weird. For three DreamWorks animated kids movie. family films. I he also did all the pretty horses. More. Yes, he also did all the pretty Goodbye. horses. So, okay. Yeah. Um, we talked about Ted Bundy. Jeffrey yep. Dahmer had uh, 15. So he Ted... was convicted 15, uh, 15 of the 16 okay. murders. So the Green River whatever killer guy had more. Yes. He was like 40-something, but right. he was active for way longer. Right. Dahmer was only active for, I think, a couple of years. That's intense. Tense. For, I was going to say impressive. That's not the word I wanted to use. It intense. sounds wrong when you're impressed Intense. <laughs> it intense. is intense. It's not impressed. Intense. People. So, okay. So, the last thing would be the title of the film. Right. The title of it, the, because there's a wow. there's a sequence of the movie where they're talking about, the like, Clarice is re- re- retelling, you already mentioned it, about her wanting to try to save one of the lambs. Yep. So, in the movie, Hannibal... <sighs> In two different times in that sequence, calls it, you know, you, it's, it's the screaming of the lambs. Like, that's yeah. how he referred to it. The The phrase, the silence of the lambs, never actually happens. No. So I looked it up to see if there's some sort of meaning behind it. Now, mm-hmm. the, the phrase it doesn't have, like, a set time period of when it's from, but it right. does refer to, it's been used in farms and farming uh, of animals for years and years because of the silence of the lambs, because the lambs are so naive, they don't actually understand they're going to their death. They tend to be quiet prior to being killed mm. so that's the whole like the term where the term is referring to that makes me sad. that period of time as they're being led to their death that the lambs are being quiet because they don't understand the poor little fuzzy lambs and they taste so good in my stomach <laughs> okay okay lecture <laughs> they do lamb is good <laughs> so that's all that's all i had to say so i i like the movie where do you think it's at the list i don't know why it dropped so much would you see it higher a li- see it back see where it was. Where it was, and where did you say it was? Like it was 60 at sixty-five. Something? I think it needs to be higher. I really do think it needs to be higher, considering it holds. It, it's a good movie. It's a good. See, like this movie doesn't feel like it's not in the heat of the night or do the right thing, where it's like right. like a moment of history. But I think if there was a if, if there's out of any of the serial killer movies that are ever out there, or any kind of detective serial killer movies, I feel like this is the movie that best represents that part of our our culture. Right. It's not a part of our culture that a lot of people like dealing with and like talking about. And I don't condone it by any means, but... What, killing people? Like killing people. I don't condone that at all. No. But at the same time, it's like... Like, it, it's a good representation of that, that, that world that's out there. It's weird. It's weird trying to talk about it like that, but... I do agree. I think it needs to be higher. It does. I think it needs to be back to where it was. I don't think it needs to be in the 70s. I think that's awful low. Awful low for this movie. Yes. It's too good of a movie. Although we're going to, as we wrap up the episode, a really good run of movies. Mm -hmm. Yes. What is next? We are officially done with page three. We are on now page two. Getting down there. (laughs) Sorry, that was weird. Um, We are now, we're coming up. Here's the interesting thing. Mm -hmm. The next... Four movies we're watching. So yes. up to, nu- to, to uh, number 70 on the list. Mm-hmm. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid okay. dropped 23 spots. Damn. Shawshank is new to the list. Okay, cool, cool. Saving Private Ryan, new to the list. A Clockwork Orange has dropped 24 spots. Wow, so a lot of those random, a lot of those types of movies are dropping. Tootsie dropped seven. The Unforgiven is up 30. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, okay, maybe I'll understand that when we go and actually watch that movie. Deer Hunter's gone up 26 spots. Deer Hunter went up, but Silence of the Lambs dropped? Duck Soup went up 25 spots. 
Um, Shane went up 24. I have no idea what Shane even I is. I mean, neither. <laughs> Not going to lie to you. The Searchers from 1956 jumped 84 spots. From number that's 96 not... to number oh, 12. you're up that high. I'm like, that's not possible. If Because I thought you were still in like the no. 50s. <laughs> the City, City Lights from 1931 jumped 65 spots. It's a Charlie Chaplin film. Vertigo jumped 52. Vertigo is a good movie. And Raging Bull jumped 20. And The wow. Godfather went up one. <laughs> of course. It flip-flopped with Casablanca. Actually, I feel like those two, those like when you're in the and... top 10, they're going to flip-flop a lot. And Citizen Kane. Not on the list. Spoiler! <laughs> JK, it's been number one on the list for like 20 years. Forever. So, well, with that, so the next movie we're watching is... Butch, Butch Cassidy, Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Which, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, I've never seen it. I've never seen Butch Cassidy. I've known about it. I know it's Me too. Robert Redford. I know, I know all and about Paul it. Newman. And Paul Newman. It's just never been a movie that I've gotten around to I love to Paul Newman. Yes, as we found out so far for this movie's that we've watched, he's been in another movie. What other movie was he in? I don't think so. Hasn't he been in one of no. our movies? No. What am I thinking about? I don't know. I don't think okay, well, Paul Newman's been in a outro. movie. Do, no, but I want to know now, too. Well, I thought he hold was on, in... Hold on, hold on, hold I on, hold thought... on. <laughs> so this is the part of the podcast for... He wasn't in The Last Picture Show, and he wasn't in French Connection, and he wasn't in Platoon, and he wasn't in oh, Easy Rider. You know who I'm confusing him with? Who? Um, oh, shoot. Dennis Hopper? Uh, no, not Dennis Hopper. Uh, who who else who was uh, Peter Fonda? Peter I'm confusing Fonda. him with Peter Fonda. Nope. Sorry, no, no, never mind. Nope. Peter and Henry Fonda have both been in the movie. See, movies. that's what I was. Paul confusing. Newman has not shown up yet. That's what I was confusing. I was I was thinking that it was Peter Fonda. Sorry, I okay. apologize. It's okay. It's okay. Well, hey, with that, folks, it's actually not that not long that of an long episode. yet, and Jeff's gonna have to edit a couple of things. I'm so gonna it'll have to edit okay. a little things out, but besides that, okay. it was a good movie. Yay. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, what is wrong with you? I kind of wish it was in October. Would have been, I know. Would have been a better we were Halloween close. Movie, but. At least it's cooled down. It's only supposed to be like a high of 68 tomorrow I here. Know. So, uh, it's going to be delicious. But then it goes back. It is going to be delicious. It's going to go back up to like the How 80s next week me? again. I hate everything. <laughs> we have such I get like lives. this in September where it's like it should be like the high of 65 all the time. <laughs> oh, wait. It's September. Oops. Oops. Still going to be in the 80s for a little bit. Well, hey, kiddos. It got up to like 96 this week. <laughs> Just saying. 96. It got hot. It In got September, hot. it's not okay. Real quick. Uh, by the way, Thomas, yes, uh, we are I know. This. I loved it. I loved it because he got it. Because Thomas, just for future reference, we are recording this about half hour uh, after you posted that on Facebook. Stop playing with my matches. <laughs> Little girl, stop playing with the matches. Um, and then I would like to. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find the name. I, I apologize. Uh, Derek, Derek, welcome to. Yay! That's Top right. Shelf. Someone. We are one away from 70 likes, which makes me really sad because I feel like we should have way more than that. So tell your friends. Tell your friends. Share the. Share it on. Share it People on your need things to listen to while they commute. <clears throat> And these podcasts generally are anywhere between about 45 minutes and an hour, an hour. which is a decent well, time. Let's say a half an hour to an hour. Half hour to an hour. Because oh, that's true, because we've had the a couple shorter of shorter ones are a half hour. Much like in the heat of the night. Yeah. So, but yeah, thank you, Derek, for yep. liking Facebook. Hopefully you... Tell your friends. Tell your friends, and we'll shout out to you guys, too. Oh, oh. We won't do it that way. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I think we need to wrap it up. We do. I got to go right. home and go to bed. All right. It's all uphill from here, folks. Yay! It truly is beginning to be all uphill from here. It is all uphill from here. It's going to be awesome. Good night, Radio Raheem. Aww. Aww. I miss Radio Raheem. Hey, we should watch Do the Right Thing again. We should. Let's just skip the next 73 films and okay. watch that. Okay. So next week's episode will be the final episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lie. I don't know what I would do Aww, every That's week. a lie, Pee-wee. I'm not going to say anything to make you laugh this time. So you're going to make your own self laugh. Think of something funny. Think of something funny. Goodbye, horses. Oh my god, make it stop. <laughs> I listened to it like four times during the movie. You soapy. sang it like 12 <laughs> times. And then I started singing The Magnificent Seven. Bloody. <laughs> like while Clarice is getting her getting her medal or her badge and stuff, I was going do 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 I got nothing. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> People are going to stop. <laughs> goodbye, or say.
Hello Internet Dwellers, this is Jeff Bell, President of the Ghost Hat Network, here at the end of this episode to give a quick plug about some of our other exciting shows. But wait a minute, Jeff. You have other shows? Why, yes, random listener, we do. If you head over to ghosthat.net, you can find a heap of shows we produce on a semi-regular basis. Like Super Happy Fun Time, the podcast where Colin Kirchner and myself sit one-on-one and talk movies, TV, video games, and other big things we care about. The Midnight Sleuth, a comedy detective mystery show in the style of old-time radio that follows the adventures of Midnight Sleuth and his partner, Linda Talbot, as they solve crimes, stop the bad guys, and poke fun at the source material. Famous Person Storytime, a podcast where celebrities retell their favorite nursery rhymes or fairy tales as best as they can remember it, even if that memory is completely wrong. And finally, Bottom of the Barrel, a returning podcast where Dan Casey and myself find lesser-known and sometimes terrible, movies on Netflix and Hulu, and review them for your pleasure. The following is a 30-second clip from a previous episode of Bottom of the Barrel to give you a taste of the show. Really, it should have been when, right after she dies, you see this little glimmer in Outside Wait For Me's eyes, like, I could probably still take this. <laughs> and then the scene ends. And she probably would have been fine with it. But then the scene she, ends, and we don't know what happened. Yeah, we don't know. He was indifferent. He I was mean, indifferent we know what anyways. Oh, so, I can't support oh. this sort of behavior. <laughs> 55 minutes into the podcast. I don't think any of us support that sort of behavior. No, we I'm don't either. He looked interested for once, and that frightened me. <laughs> So if you're in need of some new shows to listen to on your commute, while working out, or simply relaxing at home, be sure to head over to ghosthat.net now and subscribe to our shows. For more information about this and other projects, visit our official website at www.ghosthat.net or like us on Facebook at facebook.com ghosthat. <laughs> I like the ending.